You're listening to a podcast of This Positive Life, thebody.com's growing collection of first-person stories from people living with HIV. My name is Joseph. I'm 56, and I was diagnosed in 95, and I tracked my illness back to 86. Where are you originally from? Chicago, Illinois. And you live in San Francisco now? Yes, I do. You say you were diagnosed in 1995. Where were you, and how did you find out that you had HIV? I was having a problem eating. I'd beat, and I'd throw up every now and then. I couldn't hold and maintain my food. I was starting to lose a lot of weight. When I went to a doctor and they checked up on me, uh, they took blood tests and told me that I was positive. Do you know how you got it? Yeah, it was an intravenous drug use. That's why I tracked it down to 86 as well. And what kind of drug were you using at the time? Uh, coke and heroin. So you were sharing needles then at the time? Uh, I'm not sure they were clean, but it didn't seem like they were clean. You know what I'm saying? You didn't sterilize them properly? No. How long had you been using intravenous drugs? I have been using them for about 10, 15 years, on and off. Nothing really, you know what I'm saying? You weren't an addict? Not every day, no. And so were you very shocked when you found out? Yes, I was. And how long did it take you to kind of get used to it? I can tell you truthfully, it took a couple of years. What helped you? Faith, and then knowing that I've always been a person on the go. I left home when I was a young kid. I decided, hey, life goes on, you know, and I was traveling all throughout my youth on a motorcycle back and forth and working and going new places and, you know, just traveling and having a good time. And I decided that it was time to uh, keep on with my life and not let life in general destroy me when it came to the illness or anything to do with it, you know. So when you were first diagnosed, did you go to the doctor? Yes, I did. And I got put on a regiment right away. That's when the cocktails just came out and Company New York shipped the doctor some medicine. And before you knew it, I mean, I was, I was, I went home to die is what I did. And uh, I mean, I couldn't sleep. My body was consuming itself, you know. And uh, I went home to die, and then I finally says, oh, no, I can't. I'm going to go back to Washington, which I consider my home still to this minute right now. And I says, and I'm, and I'm going to live, you know. And sure enough, the doctor called me says, Joe, get over here. We got something for you. And I ran, grabbed, took my brother. He's a police officer. Told him, take me to the airport right now. He did. Got on the plane, got off the plane, and got on the medications, and kept on going with life. So were you still using at that point? No, it had been years since I quit. So you quit, kind of quit cold turkey? Yeah, it was, you know, just quit. And who was the first person you told you were HIV positive? My immediate family. What was their reaction? They were kind of all shocked. There were some tears, a lot of tears. and But um, there was also a lot of support. I mean, from cousins and aunts and my my brothers and sisters and they just sometimes they joke around with me it's like um oh you're lying you can't be sick you know because you're always you know and but but they know i am but it doesn't doesn't bother them a bit i'm you know i mean there's a lot of people that still have this um how would i say it they got this thing in their mind that 
your poison. You're a disease. You're a walking disease. You can spread it to them just by, you know what I'm saying? You can't spread it to nobody, talking to them. But there's a lot of people in this world here that don't, that haven't read on it, that haven't really looked into it, and and they make comments that make any don't make any sense. Whereas my family members and friends, they went and studied about it. They went and got books, and they, you know. And they discovered the truth that it's not transmitted casually. Yeah. But there's still people out there today, after all that's been published and printed, and they just don't want to let go of their old stigma, you know? You know, they're, uh, they're still with the old. They don't want to grow out of it, you know? Do you think it's a particular problem in the Hispanic community? Oh, it's a big one because of the male machismo. So do you have a lot of problems, like everyone says you're gay? Oh, I'm not gay. I know, but meaning because it's considered a gay disease by a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of them think, oh, then he must be gay. And even since I moved down here, a friend of my, um, one of my relative's husbands, uh, he's that type, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I don't have time for people like that, you know? Not that I'm trying to be rude or ignorant or belittle anybody, but if, if, if I'm going to socialize with somebody, they're going to be at my level with me. Or else, hey, go deal your, go play with your own life, your phony life, whatever it is. Uh, I'm for real. You know, I have a disease and I deal with it and I, and I deal with life the way it should be dealt with. You know, I, I can only go so far with some people. You know, you can only, you know, there's so far you can only go with some people. Some people just don't want to face the realities of life, you know. So have you suffered through a lot of stigma? No, no, I haven't. I don't let it bug me or nothing like that. So how did you find a good doctor? Through friends. Did you have health insurance at the time? I didn't, but I got it pretty quick. At that time there, uh, Social Security was, they were giving it to people that were, they were figuring I was going to die. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's take care of it. And they do. You know, I mean, there's no way I can pay for that medication. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no way even working or what anything that I can pay. And it puts you in another catch-22 because then you got all these medications you got to pay for. If you get a job and you work, then you can lose Social Security, then you lose your medication. But if you work, then you lose your medication because, <laughs> you know, you're in catch-22 limbos. Everywhere you go, you, go, you got to really be careful how you do things, how you approach them because you don't want to lose your medical you don't want to lose your medicines or anything like that and because it's important to, to live in a healthy life you know when you first were diagnosed did you go to support groups yeah i did yeah in tacoma washington i went to a foundation there yeah and that's how i met my doctor and i specialist out of seattle and he's and I've been with him for about 15 years and since i tracked it you know i've been with him that long maybe even more i don't What's his name? Robert Killian. Rob Killian. Great. He's not only a doctor, he's a friend, you know. I mean, that's how it's come to be, you know. I mean, he's a friend. And he cares, you know. So it's, it says a lot. So what advice would you give someone who was recently diagnosed with HIV? To not get into a corner and cry and lock yourself up and to come out of that little closet because if not... It'll consume you. 
because there's a life out there. No matter what you have, the life is there. I mean, I love to go hunting. I, I love to go backpacking and doing all. I love to travel, I'm, you know, and, and that's what I like to do, you know. So it doesn't stop you having HIV, doing the things you like to do? No, but then I got into a serious motorcycle wreck two years ago, a drunken driver, three-time DWI, three times uh, on a suspended license, and cut right in front of me on my motorcycle, and I landed up on a helicopter flight to Harborview Hospital in Seattle because I had shattered pelvis, and I was in a coma for two weeks, and I and went into a hospice, and with the help of the nurses and the hamburgers and food that I brought in in the evenings, they helped me to walk again, and I pushed it to the limit. I mean, I, you know, I had to get, you know, when you come home and you can barely move around, and you're on your hands and knees through the whole house, you know, and it, it takes a while to do, but, you know, I can't hunt anymore. I can't do, but I can still ride and get along and do what I got to do and go where I got to go. You still go on motorcycles then? Oh, man, I got a beautiful brand-new Harley, and I just love to ride it. You know, and I get on her, I just, you know, and I'm... But, uh, you know, life goes on, and I enjoy it, you know. And to, and I hate to say it, it may sound a little bit odd, but, the you know, all considering these are the best parts of my life, and what's funny about it is I have this disease and this illness, but... I don't think about it. I don't dwell on it. I take care of myself. I do what I got to do that's got to be done. But it's one of the happiest times of my life. I mean, I'm drug-free. I'm happy. I got my life back. You know, I'm still alive, and, and you know, and, and I'm happy. And I got good friends, too, as well. Uh, some still don't know that I have the illness, but because... They would probably, you know, I don't want no pity or any, you know, you know, and, and life goes on, you know. How friendly is the motorcycle community to people with HIV? Is that a tough world to come out? Yeah, it would be because... Um, Especially the Harley community. I think it would be because they're into the, you know, it's, it's a gay thing, you know. But some do understand because some of them have it as well, but a lot of people keep it quiet. I mean, not too many people are open about it, you know, because if anybody gets high, they do. <laughs> so tell me, have you found love since you tested positive? Yes, I have. And it just, uh, some of the most beautiful girls I've ever been with in my whole life. And I'm at this point in my life right now where I'm, I, I want to do a lot more traveling and I'm trying to find somebody that I can travel with and go to the places and do what I like to do. And But the only person that you can do that with is somebody with the same issues that you have, you know? So are you dating in the positive community? I have been. No, not with the negative. I want to see if I can find somebody that has the same issues that I got that doesn't mind having a good life and you know what I'm saying? Are there heterosexual support groups or social groups in San Francisco as well? Heter support groups up here and even in Washington State, they're disappearing because a lot of people are, you know, they're, they're undetectable. They're doing better in their life. A lot of people don't want anybody to know. So they keep to themselves. And before when it was coming out, you had a lot more people in the support groups and now that life is easier for us, 
it tends to keep them away from it. And that could be, sometimes it could be good and sometimes it could be dangerous, you know. Yeah, but I say to, you know, eh, sooner or later somebody will pop up there, you know. How has HIV changed you? Maybe a better person, more open to friendships and who I am and be open with a lot of people about certain things in life, not about the HIV, but I try to help out a lot of people, you know. I'm a giving person, you know. Just being in general a decent human being is what it is, you know. Why do you think it's important to be public about living with HIV? What gives you the courage to do this? Because it's been a lonely, even though I... I love the I love my life and it's the happiest. It's also been a lonely time, you know. Why has it been lonely? You have nobody to really share your problems with, you know, in depth. Somebody that can relate with you that could understand you. Because you don't want to tell them that you have HIV. Yeah. Disclosure, like telling that secret, has been really hard for you. Yeah, because you just can't trust everybody, you know. And you're afraid somebody's going to tell someone else and then they'll get out. Well, it's like a running river. I mean, I got one good friend that truly, sincerely, he's a, we've been through, he's got HIV, and he's got, he met a, a girl that he really cares about now, and she knows he's positive, and she's negative, you know, and they're, they're together, you know, so it ain't no, but when we got problems, we're on the phone to each other, so we keep each other's back up, you know, and keep our hearts up high, you know. That sounds great. It's very important to have that kind of support. Oh, yeah. So are you in the Spanish support group at San Francisco AIDS Foundation? Yeah, this is about the only one I could find. And when I did came in, there's more gays here than there are straight. But, you know, I finally came to the conclusion, hey, at one time you wouldn't have caught me. in a. They're so funny sometimes, and they come up with just as good a joke as any other person. <laughs> They're, they got, we got some characters here, just like all my friends says, you're the character, Joe, you're the part, you know, you're the, you know, they're, they're fun to be around every now and then, you know. So you become a little bit more, you didn't start out probably at the beginning of your life as very friendly toward the gay community, but you've come around, huh? Yeah. So that sensitized you to difference. Yeah, well, my niece, she looks like Halle Berry, even better looking than her, but they're identical and... And and she's lesbian, and I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> you know, I says, are you sure? So, you know, I got to deal with it. Yeah, it's everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah. So why do you think there's still so much stigma regarding living with HIV? Do you think it's the gay issue? Is it better to have gotten it from drugs than from being gay? Truthfully, I don't think it makes a difference. I mean, people just don't want to be around them. It's the fear of catching it. A lot of people do not really read up on it. They don't have the time to bother with it. They don't want to bother with it. So, you know, instead of educating themselves, you know, they won't do it till something in their family happens and then they'll read about it. You know, when they could have read it a long time ago and prevented that person in the family from getting it. You get what I'm saying? Nobody wants to educate themselves and all this money that's been spent on all this HIV education, it's some places it works and some it don't. But it's up to a person to really dig, you know, to get in there and really read about it. But nothing happens till it happens to them or somebody they re really care about, you know. And sometimes it's too late. Are you on treatment now? Yeah. What's your treatment regimen? Uh, I can't remember what pills they are. It's a three-pill regimen that I take, you know. 
Okay, and how do you remember to take it every day? First thing as I get up, I take it once a day, everything in the morning. So you don't have any ambivalence? You're very committed to doing that every morning? Yeah, and it's good because I've noticed the difference too. If you don't keep up with your meds and you forget one day and you forget a few days later, you can lose, you know, lose the, how do you call it? So you're no longer susceptible. Yeah, it's important that you keep it up because your body can only take so much and there's only so many things on the market available now. You don't want to burn your bridges. Your HIV could develop resistance to the drugs. If you don't take it on time. Yeah, and that's the one that you don't want to get into because then if there's nothing else that'll work for you, you're up a creek without a paddle, you know, and you don't want to do that, you know. It's so when you get up in the morning, it's something you got to remember, take it first thing in the morning and drink some water and, you know, just go from there. Was this something it's taken you a while to get used to? Yeah, it is. I was on my first meds for a good, gosh, I'd say five nine years on the same meds and I could still have taken them. Did you get resistance? The doctor wanted to switch them off because of my body changes and everything else, you know. So did you experience body shape changes? Oh yeah, better than, it got a lot better than it was. I started to get that buffalo hump and now that's gone down and my stomach is almost flat again, but I jog, I swim, I, you know, I, I live in an area where we got a pool where I'm at and a gym, and so I keep busy. So you try to keep in shape because you have other side effects from your meds besides the body shape changes? No, I've never had any side effects yet. Oh, okay, great. Not yet. Sometimes the dry skin, and that's about it, but I, I you know, use a little bit of that Dove soap with cocoa butter, and you're okay. <laughs> butter up in the sun in the summer, and <laughs> get on a pool and butter up, you know. Thank you very much for this interview. The opinions expressed by hosts or interviewees in this podcast do not constitute professional advice, should not be considered substitutes for professional services, and do not necessarily represent the opinions of Body Health Resources Corporation or its sponsors. Thanks for listening to This Positive Life. For more podcasts and other first-person stories, please visit us online at thebody.com. If you'd like to share your story, please email us at podcast at thebody.com.